Amen. He's functioning on very little sleep. I think he's growing. <laughs> Last time I was here, he wasn't that tall. I got a friend who's about 6'8". Somebody says, how's the weather up there? He says, fixing a rain. <laughs> and uh, that's what I think of when I see your preacher. Last June, I was uh, in, the mo- in New York for the entire month, preached 47 times in 30 days, had one Saturday night off out of the entire month. And uh, this, this time, I've only uh, got half the month, the first two weeks. But this church was the first church I booked for sure, wanted to get that in. And now the preacher's... I asked uh, the assistant pastor to take a picture. I'd like to put it on Facebook this morning. And if I go down, you're going down with this new book. But uh, I want to read you something funny. Uh, And don't mind me. I'm the president of Grady Publications Incorporated. My wife is the vice president. And our dog, little Miki, went to heaven. Uh, Doggy doggy paradise or wherever dogs go. It's it's definitely where cats don't go. I don't know how to explain that to you. But uh, Miki was our treasurer. By the way, the devil took that dog out right during the closing weeks of this project, and it's only 10-year-old Bashan, 18 pounds. Two months before she died, a vet looked at her and said she's the most healthiest animal on the planet. And then down she went, just like that. You get that out of Job 1. The devil's negotiating with God over how to persecute Job. I cried more tears over the loss of that animal than anything else in the 48 years I've been saved. So little dogs can get close to you when you're an older person. The children are out of the nest, and now it's not the family dog, it's your dog. And that, and that little Miki was a sweet, was a precious... I got a picture of her in the acknowledgement section, sitting on my wife's lap three hours before she died. So uh, anyway, you, you do anything for the Lord, there's always a cost. And so uh, don't mind me making an infomercial because of Grady Publications, I have to do it. So please, uh, if you can get a book, of course, that goes without saying, but if you can get a few books, three books for 50, some of you could buy a half a case or even a case to get them distributed, because the book will be found to be so helpful. You, you don't know what's in it. You've got to just trust somebody once in a while. This book will, I'll give you an example. I'm preaching in Kokomo, uh, Indiana. How many of you remember little Joe from Kokomo? Remember that expression? Every time I preach in that church, I ask, is little Joe here? And uh, the pastor landed 200 times at night on an aircraft carrier. Pastor Mike Holloway, one of the top pilots in the Navy. He has men all over his church, kind of like you have here, reproducing after its own kind. And I asked the men after the service, how many of you men, God lifted your apprehension for your families after the message tonight? Hands went up all over the auditorium, man's church. I preached the message I'm going to preach this morning at that church. That was three months ago. And he has me coming back. Uh, two weeks from now uh, to get the book distributed to his men. So you don't know what's in here. you got to just trust me sometime. I want to read one little section here and uh, show you what a serious author you're listening to. I said, now you know, I, I have five books out there. I said in a Sunday school lesson, if I stuttered, that's my Joe Biden impersonation. I hope that doesn't, I hope that doesn't offend somebody, you know. I'm so tired, I'm crossing myself backwards. Amen. I used to do that, do that my whole life before I got saved. But um, the, um, I have this uh, on the back of the, uh, I have five books out there, you know, besides the new one, number six. Two of the five books out there were, were volume one and volume two of Understanding the Times. Volume one, 900 pages, How Satan Turned America Against God. 
I'm not going to say that cover wasn't prophetic coming out in 2005 with Satan grabbing the dome in Washington, D.C. You didn't say anything like that a couple of Januarys ago, did you? And uh, volume two is the book on Israel, Holy Ground, 18,000 hours to compile, 900 pages each. Now this is volume, that's the series, Understanding the Times. This is volume three now. And I want to read you a little paragraph I'll put on the back of the jacket. Given the present crisis hour, this installment of Understanding the Times will prove far more reader-friendly than the previous two volumes. Now I give three examples. Half as many pages, no tedious endnotes, and very few big words. Who's going to put something like that on the cover of a book if he's trying to pass himself off as some academic... Uh... Are you kidding? That's for my, my, my crowd. Let them know I'm, I'm still as crazy as I've been all along. Who's going to say that on a book? Very few big words. But uh, I'm tired of the devil speaking to me when some old lady goes away with a 900-page book. The devil says, they're not going to read that. You're just getting their money. Well, here, look. <laughs> Who's going to complain about this? Amen. Anyway, so please get as many as you can to try to distribute them. It will help the Christians that read it. I promise you. That's all. Hey, I, I said in Sunday school we had 5,400 books arrived uh, the, the, right before Memorial Day weekend. And as soon as they came in and were cleared, they weren't damaged, we sent 3,000 out on Friday. And another five, six, seven hundred have been sold since then. I've got 500 in my truck. They'll be gone. On, I have 17 churches on the swing. I can't get any. We'll be out of the first printing in another few weeks. I can't get any more books till September. Crazy, messed up situation out there. So anyway, God's been good to me, but I want to be a blessing to you. Okay, you got your Bibles. Um, Open up to Joshua, chapter number 2. I may have said this when I was here last time. I don't know. But uh, several years ago, I got a phone call from a lady. She said, Brother Grady, you don't know me, but I know you through some of your books that I have. And uh, I'm calling to find out if you'd be willing to witness to my uncle, my unsaved uncle. She said he's an Italian, he's a lifetime New Yorker, and he's a Catholic. Maybe you can make a few points with him. I said, well, I mean, I'm glad to witness to anybody. What's your uncle's name? She said, Yogi Bear. How many of you remember Don Larson pitching that perfect game in 1956 for the New York Yankees? Well, you saw Yogi Bear run up to him and jump in his arms. Number eight, I, I was living in Manhattan at the time. You know how sick things are tonight? I used to go to see the Yankees at the Yankee Stadium by myself before my mother died when I was 11. Nine and ten years old, preach them jumping on a subway at, 80, at 78, 77th Street Station, Lexington Avenue, shooting up to the Bronx. At nine and ten years old. You can't let your teenage kid go to the mailbox half the time anymore. What a sick world, neighbor. She was going to get back to me. And by the way, uh, Bobby Richardson, remember him? The all-star second baseman for the Yankees during the... M&M days, Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. He was an all-star. He was a born-again Baptist out of uh, South Carolina. He wound up uh, running Jerry Falwell's athletic department at, at Liberty University. He led Mickey Mantle to the Lord on his deathbed. He, he, he testified. Well, this lady was going to get back to me with the phone number and arrange the phone call, but maybe Yogi didn't want to hear it. Who knows? But she never got back to me, sad to say, and he's in eternity now. But he was, he was well known for his yogiisms. 
those crazy statements that didn't make any sense. Remember those nutty things? When you get to the fork in the road, take it. You know, hundreds of things like that. But his most enduring yogiism fits today like a hand in a glove, doesn't it? I'll start it and you finish it. It ain't over. Oh, it's over. I'm no Debbie Downer, but I think it pretty much ended when the Bidens moved into the White House and Mr. Trump moved out. I was preaching in uh, San Amarillo, Texas that night, Charity Baptist Church. The preacher, I got up behind the pulpit, been there ten times, got behind the pulpit, tore my jacket to pieces, tore my shirt to shreds. How many are glad to know I kept my pants on? Say amen right there. So why did you do that? I don't know. I was just trying to line up with the scriptures. When the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. I'm not telling you you have to do that. But it gets worse. Then I got behind the pulpit, pulled a bag of dirt out that I'd hidden in there and poured it all over myself. I just wanted God to know whose side I was on, and we're all different. Um, like I said, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but Pretty much over, neighbor. Um, but aren't you glad? It's time to go home. Thank the Lord for that. Now, I want to uh, share a, a chapter out of the new book, out of Joshua chapter 2. And by the way, I, I think I mentioned it last time, but I tell these stories and people think I'm making it up. But somebody said a picture's worth a thousand words. I think I mentioned when I was here last time that I have a crazy connection to the Biden family. <laughs> it's about as crazy as it gets. And if you told me this story, I wouldn't believe it. 1972, if you weren't here last June when I was here a year ago, I may have shared it, but uh, 1972 in uh, July, a man named Bill Stevenson opened a nightclub in Newark, Delaware called the Stone Balloon Ale House. He and his wife, co-owners. And Rolling Stone magazine voted it the best-kept secret in rock and roll. Ray Charles was there all the time. The Almond Brothers, Bruce Springsteen practically lived there, they said. It was going and blowing, number one college bar in America. I was 19 years old when that opened up. And I quit smoking dope at the University of Delaware. I couldn't take it anymore. I was, I was a party animal. I quit and I went to work for a cash register company called Brandywine Cash Register Company in Wilmington, Delaware. And you won't believe this, but I sold the cash registers to that nightclub. It was an electronic bar system from Bielefeld, Germany. When you know how the bartenders are always ripping off the owners, they try to figure out a way to keep... Remember the get your star in the receipt, you get a free hamburger at McDonald's windows? Remember those days? That's just to get the cashier to ring the register up. Because everybody's ripping everybody off. The old bartender ministry, how many old timers know what I'm talking about with the towel ministry? You know, taking your 20. What are you looking at me like that for? You think I grew up in Sunday school? I grew up in three Irish bars in Manhattan. Ned's, the Shamrock, and the Three Swans. What's that, Lord? They need another Italian joke quick. How many of you know why Italians have short necks? They stand in front of the judge all day. I never heard of the guy. I don't know about that guy. Forgive me. I'm on, I'm, I'm on octane right now. I'm seeing triple right now. But, uh, but anyway... Getting back to uh, wherever I was, it's very easy to lose track of what you're saying when you're tired. Rabbit trail. Oh, they're ripping the bartenders off. So we sold them a cash register system. We had the 20 top drinks in the, in the nightclub. There were 20 buttons. Like in a McDonald's, you hit the Pepsi button and it dispenses into the glass. The bartender had to hit the button and it rang the, rang the register up electronically. I made so much money, I went to Europe 
for four weeks with my boss. There's a picture of me standing in front of the Vatican showing off my Catholic heritage in 1972. What's that got to do with anything? It was, uh, it was the, the owners, a husband and wife team. They were known as Bill and Jill. Wait till I get there, amen. Three years later, it was Joe and Jill, as in Joe and Jill Biden. And Mr. Stevenson, Jill Biden's first husband, is putting a tell-all book out this year, supposedly, about how his wife and Biden were playing footsies behind the curtains before they were ever divorced. What's the moral of the story? If you steal a man's wife, you'll steal an election. Say amen right there. And once a crook, always a crook. There goes a few rewards, but that's okay. You'd have to be here in Sunday school to understand what that means. Get your Bible open to Joshua 2. I want to preach the message I preached at Kokomo, Indiana a month ago when all those tough men in the church testified that God helped them that morning. Great church, wonderful church. Let's stand to our feet, give you a seventh inning stretch. Joshua chapter 2, and I'm very depressed. Just get it off my chest. I was looking forward to a home-cooked meal from the preacher's wife. She's the greatest cook in New York State. I've got to go to a restaurant this afternoon. <laughs> I was looking for, that's, that's the reason I booked this church first on my list. <laughs> so what's that mean? Hey, you Protestants, get off of the grass. <laughs> hey, by the way, again, don't forgive me. When I'm in New York, I'm, I'm, I'm in my element. Anybody remember the most powerful Roman Catholic in the history of the United States of America? Cardinal Francis Spellman in New York? They called his office the Little Vatican during the Cold War years. There's his picture right there. He signed my grade school diploma in 1966. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim, two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them. Now, wasn't that nice? There was, a, there was an announcement made about Rahab's refuge or something to that effect. So a, lo a lot of children in church learn that Rahab is a, a hero, is a heroine. So I always have to warn everybody from now on, anything she says, she had her fingers crossed behind her back. And uh, she said... Thus, and she said, Thus there came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. She's fibbing, amen. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I want not. Pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan under the fords, and as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. 
For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you... Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon, and Og, whom you utterly defeated in battle. Is that what it said? Whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. This is a black Canaanite gal worshiping the false gods of Canaan. And now she's real interested in the God of Israel. Don't miss it. Verse 12, Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show, show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have. That's the nieces and nephews. Deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if you utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Now watch this. This is very intriguing. Watch this. Then... She let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, now look, she's talking to them now this way, look. They're down there, and she's up in the window. And she said unto them, get you to them. Hey, by the way, you want to see how you got saved? All those great doctrines hiding in the Old Testament pictures? Next, this verse right here. And she said unto them, get you to the what? I don't know, maybe you sing a song once in a while called At Calvary. How many have heard of Mount Calvary? Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hey, do you have any pursuers chasing you before you got to the mountain? How about death and hell? But you know what? The mountain wasn't enough to save you. Paul said, if Christ be not risen, we are of all men most miserable. So, what's the rest of the verse say? Hide there what? Yeah, that'll work. Until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may you go your, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 17, and the men said unto her, we will be, look here, hey, we will be, see him? See the men shouting back up to Rahab in the windowsill. We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Now watch this. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. Now here, look, watch neighbor, there's a, there's a little nugget getting ready to jump up and hit you in the head. When she let them down that cord, as soon as they were down, she pulled that thing right up. She didn't want to distract, draw attention for the, to the king, what she's doing. She pulled that thing up in a New York minute. Where do you see what happens next though? Look what they're telling her now. Verse 18, Behold, when we come into the land, when the army comes back, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head. If any hand be upon him, and if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit 
of thine oath, it will be let off the hook, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, according unto your words, so be it. Watch the blessing hiding in the weeds here. Ready? And she sent them away and they departed. What did they tell her to do? When we come back here, hang this thing back out the window. You know that thing you yanked up that you're scared to have hanging out, hanging out your window? They're not two steps away on the way out the door. What does it say? And she bound the scarlet line in the window. She threw that thing right back down again. She's not supposed to do that till they come back. She had more sense than most of us. You know, do you know that the world's coming to an end right now? I don't know who's out here. I hope you know the world's coming to an end. It's no time to play around anymore. I preached this sermon in uh, Holland, New York, Willie O'Dell's church. He's down in Tennessee now, retired. I just preached there Thursday night. Drove 16 hours through the night from Indianapolis, Independence, Missouri. Stopped off in St. Louis, then got there 20 to 6. Half, half dead, ten times worse than I feel now. Well, pastor's 19-year-old son got saved. Why? We talked about this very chapter. Maybe somebody out here is not saved. I don't know. Preacher, listen, last night I was in Everett, Pennsylvania. I was there two months ago. Preached this same sermon. The pastor's 16-year-old son Noah got saved that night. It's no time to fool around. The world's coming to an end. Rahab threw that thing out the window. She wasn't taking any chances. You know what the Baptist salute is? No more time for that neighbor. Pray for us, brother. Amen. You may be seated. I was driven through Washington, D.C. a couple weeks ago, preaching in Mechanicsville, Maryland. That old Washington Monument, I've been up in there before. You know, it's 555 feet high. You know what it says on the top in Latin? Laus Deo. Glory to God. That's the highest point in our capital. This is not the same country that started in 1776, by the way. I was preaching on the streets in Branson, Missouri on Memorial Day weekend. You want a three-point outline of this nation? Our past, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Our present, righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Our future, the wicked shall be cast into hell and all nations that forget God. Those billion-plus body bags in the early chapters of Revelation, I'll tell you where they're going to be. Let me tell you where they're not going to be needed. They're not going to be needed in China. They're not going to be needed in India. They're not going to be needed in North Korea. They're not even going to be needed in Russia. They're going to be needed in America, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and the United States. Why? The verse I just quoted to you. The wicked shall be cast into hell and all nations that forget God. 
You can't forget somebody you never knew. You think China knew the God of this nation? You got a hymn in your hymn book, don't you? Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. Ever sing that? That's off of Peter. Judgment must begin at the house of God. Oh, yes. First chapter of my book is called The Last Latte. You think you're going to have those $50 coffees around here much longer? You can't even get baby formula. I was saved 10 months when I was staring into the tell in old Jericho. It didn't cost me any money for a ticket. I flew first class on Air France working for BOAC. And if you'd never been to Israel, you'd never have to feel like a second class citizen. I don't think Dr. Ruckman ever went. I've been listening to him since 1988 till he went to heaven. Never heard him say he's in Israel. Lester Roloff used to say, I'll go to the Holy Land when the Holy Land gets holy. But you don't have to feel like a second class citizen. You know what the name Rahab means? It's a picture of you and me. The name means broad. So we get that slang expression for women. Picked up a few broads. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way. Praying for visitors that aren't here anymore. Coming to this kind of church, it scares people because somebody's authoritative up here. Maybe there's an emergency. Who knows? But I'm already praying for visitors and they're not here anymore. Maybe the rapture took place. We're all in trouble. Say amen right there. I don't know. I'm, I'm punchy. I told you that. Which one, Lord? You know why Italians make good magicians? Amen. They make people disappear just like that. All right, all right, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, which leadeth unto destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Rahab's a picture of you and me. I got a picture, a preacher, I got a picture in my file somewhere, goofy me, when I was 16 years old. I'm leaning against a metal awning pole of some kind with the words Bachelors 3 over my head. Some of you old timers know what Bachelors 3 was. That was the nightclub that Joe Namath owned. It was 10 blocks from where I lived in Yorkville. There were so many mafiosas hanging out at that nightclub that Weeb Eubank was told by the AFL commissioner, if Namath doesn't sell that nightclub, he's got to get out of the football league. So Joe Namath sold it and he said he cried <laughs> while he was doing his pantyhose commercials, I guess. Hey, by the way, he's from Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, but his nickname was Broadway Joe. Just a couple of months after that picture was taken, I passed out cold drunk in Times Square when the ball came down. The old Allied Chemical Building in Times Square passed out cold drunk, 500,000 people as they were counting down the 1098. I knocked out about six, I think. Woke up 9 o'clock in the morning in somebody's living room laying in a garbage can full of vomit. That's what Catholicism will do for you. But I passed out right off of 7th and Broadway. Broadway, it's a picture of you before you got saved. Rahab was. She was lost and on her way to hell. Now, her story in this chapter has got the most amazing application to us right this minute. 
I don't just write fluffy things. I, I get some good leading from the Lord, some good thoughts. Thank God I'm not called to do what he does. Pastor, I was twice, but I was delivered. <laughs> I get to float around now. I don't got to stay in any one place and go crazy. I did that twice. This guy walked out of church mad, cussing, said to his wife, I'm never going back to that place again. His wife said, you've got to go back. He said, give me one good reason. She said, you're the pastor, amen. You won't believe this, but I just forgot what I was saying. So you ever get embarrassed when you can't remember? Are you kidding when 150, 200 people can't remember? Somebody tell me where I was. Go ahead. Don't give me something I said 10 minutes ago. What? Blah, blah, blah. Broad is the way. Something like that. Yeah, man. It's a picture of us before we were saved. Um, oh, yeah. I was saying thanks for nothing. I was saying that this is a great picture of our experience right now. Let me ask you a question. Was Rahab with, as right with God as she could be, the God of Israel as she knew? She got a pledge from God's men, right? If she did her part, she'd be spared, yes? She had every reason to believe that was true, didn't she? You got a pledge? You're saved, aren't you? But you're just like Rahab. Can I give you the title of chapter 15 in my new book, dealing with this issue? You know what the title of the chapter is? Trapped in a Terrified City. Isn't that you? Just like Rahab? Where was Rahab? You heard what she said. The people's hearts were melting with fear. You want to see America? Look at chapter 6 real quick. Chapter 2 introduces the story, and chapter 6 is where the battle takes place. You want to see America in you? You're, you're trapped in the same, you're trapped in a terrified city now. Jericho was a cursed city. You don't think this country's cursed? Preacher, I was saved 48 years ago, 1974, and the preachers were saying back then, I was saved in Clarence Larkin's home church. Matter of fact, preacher, you can't make these things up. God gave me so many bizarre nuggets in this book. There's a picture of, of Marcus Hook Baptist Church in 1974 where Larkin was baptized. He was already a saved man, sprinkled as an Episcopalian, and he got convicted he needed to be baptized. And he got baptized at the market, one of the oldest churches in Philadelphia. Here's a picture of that same church in 1974, exactly a century later, where I was saved and baptized in 1974 a century apart. I mean, those, those are things that stir my soul and God's got as many dots to connect in your life if you pay attention to what He's been doing. Right. Rahab was trapped in a terrified city and if you want to see America in Scripture where you are tonight, you're trapped in a terrified nation right now. You're right with God like Rahab, but you're stuck here with everybody else waiting for something to happen. You don't think America's cursed. I started to say when I was saved in 1974, I preacher, the preachers were already saying back then that if God spared America, he'd have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Roe v. Wade, Wade was only a year old back then. How do you think God feels now? Not to mention the transgender perversion, the uh, human trafficking and everything else. Want to see America? Look at verse 1. Now Jericho was straightly... Shut up! What a text for a ladies' meeting. Glory to God in the land. My wife just preached to a bunch of women up in uh, 
Middletown, Ohio a few weeks ago. That's a good text for a ladies, just kidding. <laughs> Women buy many more books than men do. Believe me, I'm just kidding. Preacher told me that joke. <laughs> you want to see America, though? Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. Here we go, neighbor. None went out. None came in. You know what that says in the Hebrew? Quarantined, amen. Chapter 3 in my book is called Two Women. You know, everybody's bent out of shape. Sean Hannity, we got a two-tiered justice system. How come nobody's going to jail? We, we all see in the same crazy stuff, yes. Would you like to know why that is? Isaiah 59, 14 will tell you why it is. Truth's falling in the streets. And equity cannot enter. Christians are throwing their Bibles out the window and the judges say, forget you. So we'll throw it out of the schools and after that, there'll be no more equity in this nation. Anybody ever see Judge Judy? Ever see how the show begins? By the way, you see Judge Judy? They always show that lake with the little sailboats on it. That's Sailboat Lake in Central Park. I grew up, fi I grew up fishing for guppies in that little lake as a little kid. <laughs> little screen piece of... I don't know where I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm not my normal self. Little, mos <laughs> little mosquito screen. You know, I, a little with string up on the four corners and teenage friends dropping their ashes from the cigarettes on there and little guppies come up and I yank them up. Man, am I messed up, preacher. I'm sorry. <laughs> Beginning at Judge Judy shows, uh, shows Lady Justice doing this. Right? Judge Judy peeking. See, that's, that's Lady Justice. Got scales and Justice is blind. You know what's happened since the Christians threw their Bibles away? She yanked that blindfold off and threw it away. But that's not where it ends. She's got a sister in New York Harbor, Lady Liberty. She picked that thing up, and now that's her face covering. Want to know why your, your state is so messed up? Hello, you can't get into the Statue of Liberty without a vaccination passport. I got a picture in the book there of my Ukrainian-born grandmother, Mary Kroll. Spent 30 years in Binghamton Mental Hospital, this state. I never met her one day. She came in through Ellis Island, like many of your relatives. They'd, have, they'd, they'd roll over in their graves if they found out you can't get into the Statue of Liberty without a... Somebody said the first two years of the Biden administration, as far as conservative Americans, especially Christian Americans, it's like we've been strapped in a chair, being forced to watch a two-year-old playing with a loaded gun. But praise the Lord, and by the way, Dr. Ruckman put in his commentary that Rahab was no cheap street hooker. She was a high-end call girl. The king knew her by name, chapter 2, verse 3. But aren't you glad for the grace of God? Rahab went from being a street walker to being a street worker. Somebody say amen right there. Few that be that find it. Her family was the only survivors of that engagement. Does anybody have a little, I mean, any kind of a pen knife on them I can borrow real quick? I know you ladies are all packing pistols, but does anybody have a knife here? 
My man. That's a nice tie. It's a nice tie. What'd you do with the rest of the tablecloth? That's a joke I heard in St. Stephen's of Hungary in 1965. No joke. I've got several. Uh, I've got something. Can I get the worst point out of the way? Yeah, let's get the worst one out of the way. We heard what you did, Rahab said, to the kings of Sihon and Og and how you utterly destroyed them. You want to see what happened to those people? Go to chapter uh, 6 and uh, look at verse 21. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city. This is the recap of the battle of Jericho now. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both men and women, young and old, ox and sheep, with the edge of the sword. Go to chapter 10 for a recap of the whole campaign after they knocked off all of the other cities. Jericho was just the first one, right? Look at verse 40. So Joshua smote, chapter 10, verse 40, so Joshua smote all the country of the hills and of the south and of the vale and of the springs and all their kings. Hello, neighbor. Don't miss the next statement. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed. What's the next three words? All that breathe as the Lord God of Israel commanded. What does that mean, as the Lord God of Israel uh, commanded? Well, it might mean what it says. You want to turn over to Deuteronomy 20? Joshua was going to run into two kinds of enemies. Those on the frontiers or up on the edge of the border, boundaries. And they could sue for uh, peace up there and cut them a break. But when it came to the cities inside the uh, heart of the land, they had a special uh, order from God about that. And uh, Deuteronomy 20, look what it says in verse 16. But of the cities of these people which the Lord thy God doth give thee for an inheritance... Thou shalt save alive nothing that breathes. Okay now. Let me give you something to hear before you get up and walk out. First point of this little message is, i got to get it out of the way. It's the tough one. Don't lose sight of the fear of the Lord. We're living in latte land. We have no idea who God is. When God cut Uzzah in half, made a breach in him for trying to steady the ark, God cut him in half. The man that knew God after his own heart, David, stepped back in shock. What in the world's going on here? I bet your quarter he knew God better than we do. You don't know who God is. You're saved, but you barely know him. I'm the same way. So I have a question for you. Get this out of the way now. Ready? Ready? Don't miss it. Who slit the throats of those two-year-old Canaanite girls? that woke up in a playpen that morning and heard all the horns going off and rumbling, walls coming down. Next thing you know, people are cutting their throats. Who did that? Somebody did it. They were breathing, weren't they? You know what I think? I don't think it was Joshua's men. I think it was the wives. You know, like you look over in Israel tonight, the ladies serving in the IDF, pushing their baby strollers with AK-47s hanging off their shoulders. I don't think Joshua's men did that. I think the wives did it. What are, you, what are you talking about? I don't know. Do you think those little two-year-old girls were breathing when Joshua's army came in there? They sure were until they had their throats cut. That's the babies too. You know got me thinking this way? Dr. Ruckman. He made a statement one time. 
Any babies drown in the flood? You don't want to get God mad. Now you're saved, you got your blessed assurance, but you got Hebrews telling you he'll chasing you if you get out of line. It's tough, isn't it? I preached over in preacher, I preached over in uh, I'm gonna I'm not gonna turn to this scripture for time. Thank you, sir. I preached over in, uh, there's, a, there's an all-black pro-King James, pro-Dr. Ruckman church. There's about five of them that I know of. I've preached in three of them. This church happens to support, no, this church doesn't support me. One of them does. But this preacher is a good man, 20 years in the Navy. And I have a picture of him someplace here. Here he is. Pastor James Burnett, Norfolk Baptist, uh, Bible Baptist Church, Norfolk, Virginia, 20-year Navy man. Good, good preacher. He loves Dr. Ruckman. I preached from several times. Last time I was there, I said, you know, folks, you're just a few hours away from where the Battle of Antietam took place in Sharpsburg, Maryland. Bloodiest day in the history of the military operations of our nation, right? 27,000 casualties. C.I. Schofield survived that battle. He was a courier, a Confederate courier. He survived 18 Civil War battles, so you could have a Schofield reference Bible. I wore 10 of them out over 48 years. But they had... You know, but here's the thing, you only had 3,000 3, plus men killed in that battle, total, out of the 20-something thousand casualties. You know what I told that black congregation? I said, you better thank the Lord that the Lord delivered you from your voodoo ancestors. What do you mean voodoo ancestors? Well, voodoo, you know, Africa. Phyllis Wheatley, I got a picture of her right here. First black poet ever published in America. Slave in New England, got saved listening to George Whitfield preach. You better read her most famous poem before you let Ophel Winfrey mess with your politically incorrect brain. It's called On Coming, I quoted it here before, I'm sure, On Coming from Africa to America. That's the title of her poem. How about if I quote it for you? Twas mercy brought me from my pagan land. You're not going to hear that on Ophel Winfrey. Say amen right there. Twas mercy brought me from my pagan land, taught my benighted soul to understand. That there's a God and a Savior too, once I neither redemption sought nor knew. Some view our sable race with scorn, their color is a diabolical dye. Remember, Christians, Negroes black as cane, and be redeemed and join the angelic train. They may have to give up soul train, like you've got to turn your heart to God from your idols. But I'm telling you, neighbor, that gal was glad she came over from crazy Africa to Christian America. You know what I told that black congregation in Norfolk? I said, you want to hear about the original Million Man March? Go over in Second Chronicles and watch that African army march into Palestine. A thousand thousand. You know how many that is? That's a million. Read the text. They're trying to destroy King Asa of Judah, and God destroyed all of them, it said. There's even a Schofield note. It refers you to 1 Corinthians 2 where the note says that number can't be true. It's too high. It's got to be a scribal mistake. I'll take the King James text. You keep your scribal theories. Amen. Amen. But don't lose sight of the fear of God. Number two, those Canaanites in Jericho were scared to death, weren't they? Our hearts did tremble. 
Listen, that's one thing for lost people out here to be scared to death. I was on an airplane. You ever see the people in this country? I was on a plane the other day, preacher. I'm sitting on an aisle seat on the right side of the plane. There's a dude on, in front of me on the left side aisle. Here comes some woman. She happened to be an Asian lady. She had so much stinking protection junk on her. She looked like the robot from Lost in Space or that tire commercial guy with all the tires around. She couldn't even hardly get up the center aisle. Asbestos suits, a tent, she had a helmet on, a mask, a shield. She's coming up the aisle. That guy was sitting there like that because she, she had the window seat. <laughs> Do you see the same crazy people out there that I'm looking at every day? People on motorcycles with masks and no helmet on? You know, they drive by you in a car with all the... almost said a bad word. <laughs> Help me, Lord, I'm tired. I'm not responsible for anything this morning. But I mean, the world's going nuts. It's a picture of the tribulation period. It's moving in here. Men's hearts failing them for fear. But you're not supposed to be like that. What are you afraid of? What's the matter with you? Now, I pastored two churches. I love church people, really. Dr. Ruckman said he hated to leave evangelism to be a teacher, but he had to do what he felt God wanted him to do. And I guess I write more than I do anything else, but I love the two churches I pastored. I love God's people. I don't want to see you nervous. God's not after you, neighbor. What did Rahab, what, what did the spies tell Rahab? When we come in here, we're going to deal kindly and justly with thee. God's not mad at you. He's mad at the people outside. You're okay. You're safe. What are you nervous about? You know what John Wesley said one time? He said, worry is a mild form of atheism. Every time I think of that, I get convicted. I was preaching in New Hampshire the other day, uh, uh, Hookset, New Hampshire, a good church. I've been there many times. Pastor's grandmother passed away recently, 95 years old. Sweet lady, every time I see her, she's just cutting up, happy. All, 95, died of COVID. Pastor told me in the last two, they were in there two hours. They got special permission to be with her. The, it was, the, it was the pastor's father's mother. So the pastor and his wife and his dad and his mom got to visit the dying grandma for two hours. You know what he told me? He said, I never saw anything like it. We didn't have 10 seconds of conversation with her. She's out. You understand? Out. But we took our phones out and played her favorite gospel hymns and sang to her. And that preacher, Jeff Smith, told me his grandma sang along with every song. Totally out. But singing out of her lips. The nurse walked out about three times, couldn't take her. Not protesting, just, just shook up. Hello? Somebody said to John Wesley one time, your followers are a little too emotional. Old time shouting Methodist. You know what Wesley said? He said, you're probably right. But they die well. Amen. You know what the preacher told me? He said the nurse called him the next day after his grandmom died. She wasn't confessing. She just thought she'd share something nice with the preacher. She said, after you left, I saw what, what had happened. I tried it myself, took the same songs off the phone and started singing with her. She sang with me. You're supposed to show that world out there what God's like. Amen. You're not supposed to be nervous and rattle and everything. I have a whole chapter in my book. I, I got all kind of feedback showing up on Facebook now. One of them said, chapter 14 was worth the price of the book. The title of that chapter is Fear Not, Little Flock. You know why you're nervous? Because subconsciously you're thinking things are out of control. 
What's Biden going to do next? The food supply is gone. <laughs> Can I tell you how you can solve all your apprehension? Just repeat this every time you see something crazy happening. Latest thing I heard, they're taking all the urinals out of the boys' bathrooms in the public schools now. You see something nutty every day. Every time I see something nutty, you know what I say to myself? Man, God must really be mad at this country. As soon as I say that, I get peace. All you got to do is remind yourself that he's running this thing. Biden is not calling any shots. He's calling the shots. He's mad at this country. He's coming outside the walls. But he's not mad at you, neighbor. You belong to him. He loves you tonight. You just have to wait it out like Rahab did. She's trapped in a terrified city and so are you and I. Number three. Be sure you have a crimson thread. The other day I preached in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. They know about roll tide crimson threads down there, boy. Preacher had a 95-year-old man sitting on the fifth row on the aisle. Remember John Wayne movie, The Fighting Seabees? That's a real fighting seabee. Survivor of the Battle of... Um, I'm too tired to think. What's that movie... Uh, you know, the, the medic, not Guadalcanal, the medic that wouldn't take a gun up. Huh? Not Sergeant York, the other one. Yeah, Hacksaw Ridge. I, I forget what battle that was. No, not Iwo Jima. Uh, I don't know what it was, but that man was a survivor. He's a Navy CB. Hey, <laughs> you know what he told me? He told me that, uh, 95 years old, he told me when Biden got in there and Trump moved out the same day, went in his backyard, took his flag down, turned it upside down and ran it up under distress. He said the neighborhood went nuts. He basically didn't take a baby aspirin. Oh, by the way, his wife was buried the previous Wednesday. He's sitting there Sunday morning, drove himself to, to church, no mask. Sam Delaney, a Ruckman guy, pastors him, said he's the most faithful man he's got in his church. 95 years old. Number four, make sure you're saved is one of the crimson cord. Are you saved tonight? Number four, obey your instructions. Rahab had the faith in the Lord, didn't she? The God of Israel. But that wasn't going to save her unless she obeyed her instructions. She had to keep her mouth shut. She had to be in the house when the walls came down. And she had to have a cord hanging out the window. Or else she wouldn't make it. Now listen, neighbor. You better pay attention to what I'm getting ready to say. Heard a black preacher preach a sermon one time. Don't miss it. It was called, You May Be Saved Down Here but you ain't necessarily safe down here. Man led me to the Lord, blew his brains out two years later. Deacon in the Marcus Hook Baptist Church, blew his brains out. Hello. You want to survive what's coming? You better get right with God if you're not right with God. What, what do you mean? You want to die under the rubble here in this country when it goes crazy pretty soon? No more time to fool around, walk in the church, walk out, see what, what's on the Channel 6. I don't like that show. Hey, 
If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You think you're going to need to call on God when things get crazy? Well, you're not going to hear anything from Him if you've got stuff in your heart that isn't right. Stuff you're thinking about right now. He that turneth his ear away from the hearing of the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. Read Proverbs 1. Then shall they call upon me and I'll not answer. I'll mock when their fear cometh upon them. Because you wouldn't get right when God wanted you to get right. You don't get right in the middle of a trial. A trial reveals what you are. It doesn't make you what you are. It reveals what you were before the trial hit. Hey, husbands. I love Ruckmanites because they know their Bibles, but half those men are like cavemen when it comes to being good husbands. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessels, that your prayers be not hindered. Hope you're treating your wife like the queen she should be feeling like she is. I mean, you might need to get your prayers answered when all Hades breaks loose pretty soon. See, this is negative. Yeah, it's negative. Yeah, it's very negative. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. I think the last enemy is death, Paul said. Maybe you want to get through what's coming. Obey your instructions. I have an entire chapter called The Christian's 911 Number. Boy, is that worth the price of the book. And I'm not giving you an infomercial. I, want, I wrote this so you'd have something to help you. Go read Ezekiel 9, 1 through 11 sometime. God sends those destroying angels into the tribulation period to wipe the Jews out in Jerusalem. You know the chapter if you've read it. He sends an angel with a pen down first to mark the foreheads of the Jews that were sighing and crying, not for the price of gas, but for the sins of the land. And when they're all done marking those foreheads, he comes back and says, I'm done. The Lord says, okay. And he sends the rest of them down with the slaughter weapons in their hand. You know where the Uzi machine gun was invented? It was invented in Israel. By a Jew named Uzi. That's because that's of what comes out of you when you get hit by those things. By the way, the main part of the message that helped those good guys in Kokomo, you know what it was? Can I show you something bizarre? This, this lifted their burdens. See, you men out there aren't wimpy. If you're apprehensive, you're worried about your families. That's a good thing to be, but you don't need to be worried. Can I show you why? And this is the verse I shared in Kokomo that seemed to have a good effect on the men. Can I show it to you? Just go to Joshua 5 real quick. I'm about at third base now, heading to home plate. Again, I'm so burned out that I'm not having a home-cooked meal today. <laughs> I'm not really, but I'm just saying anything stupid to keep you listening. Although the preacher's wife is a good cook, I'm telling you, name. Joshua 5. Look up here at verse 13. This is the night before the battle. If Joshua was from North Carolina, he might have been out there smoking a cigarette. Every deacon in North Carolina goes out in the parking lot, smokes a cigarette after the service. Verse 13, and it came, Joshua's nervous now. This is either the night before the battle or early in the morning. He's pacing out there meditating. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man, so-called, over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. That's an offensive threat there. That's why you shake hands in Western culture. shows you have no weapon in your hand. Take your hat off. They used to do that with their helmets. I'm not here to hurt you. And said unto him, look, with his sword drawn in his hand. Now watch it. And Joshua went unto him 
and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Boy, did he get a shocking answer. And he said, Nay, I'm not here for either one of you guys. But as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto a servant? Get the idea? That's no man he's talking to. Hebrews calls the Lord Jesus the captain of our salvation. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe, singular. He's the second person of the Trinity. Only got to take one shoe off of him. Amen. Moses had to take both shoes off talking to, you know. I almost said the top enchilada. I'm so tired I can't think up here. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. The Lord's outside the walls out there tonight, coming after us. Picture this building here like our spiritual house, like Rahab was in. The armies are coming out there to get the people at Jericho, not coming to get you. The spy said, we're going to, come, we're going to deal kindly and justly with thee. He's not after you. Number five, get all your family and friends in as quick as you can. We talked about that this morning during Sunday school. Dr. Ruckman said, sadly, many won't come in because they don't want to identify with this kind of a church. Rahab's family had to move into a whorehouse to get saved. Paul said, we're the off-scour of the world. People don't want to identify with this anymore today. You people are weird. That's right. Jesus was numbered with the transgressors, though. Brother Ruckman said that's why they call those areas where the Rahabs are today, they call them red light districts. From that red cord hanging out the window. Back to the King James Bible running the world. Well, I'm just about done here. Number six, our deliverance and what's coming from what's coming will be just as miraculous as Rahab's deliverance was. What do you mean it was deliverance? Her deliverance was miraculous. Anybody remember where the Bible told you twice where she lived? How many Bible believers in here, right? The whole room's filled, yes? Well, do you really believe the Bible? I want to pick on the assistant pastor. He's like that magician with the beard, the big heavy set magician of Vegas. Doesn't he look like that guy? I forget his name. Makes lions disappear. He looks just like the dude. Can I pick on him? How many want me to pick on them? How many don't give a flip? Preacher, the hands are all over the place to pick on you. Are you a Bible believer? Where'd Rahab live? She lived on a wall? What happened to the walls? What happened to Rahab? But you're stuttering. You know, preacher, before I ever heard of Dr. Ruckman, I was a Howes product, and I love Jack Howes, but I didn't learn any Bible there. I didn't know anything about the Bible. My first church in Idaho, I was as dumb as a box of rocks. Had to come up with a cute sermon every week. I had no idea how to rightly divide anything. I remember in 1985 or so preaching a sermon on Rahab. Don't, you don't want to know what the title of the sermon was. If you laugh, I'll be offended. It was called Rahab and the Hovering House. <laughs> the walls came down. Where was she living? She living on the walls. Don't you believe the King James Bible? Amen. 
I think I had Jacob's ladder even mixed in that thing, going up to the house. <laughs> well, I thank God for Dr. Ruckman. Saved my life. Amen. Hello. Do you realize that with one of three miracles with Rahab's deliverance, either that house stayed up there hovering by itself when all the walls came down, or all the walls came down except the one part that had her house on it. That's a miracle in itself. Or Wizard of Oz ministry. The walls came down and the house pancaked down, amen, and nobody was hurt. It's one of the three, yes? I think it was two. But one sure is cool, ain't it? It'll do when you don't know right the vision. I'm telling you, that was a great sermon. Do you know that your deliverance will be just as miraculous? Number one, you'll go up at the rapture before all Hades breaks loose. Or two, all Hades will break loose and God will take you through it. Corey Tamboon in the hiding place. God will get you through it. Or three, you'll die under the rubble with everybody else, but you'll have the same grace that 95-year-old woman had on her deathbed. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. But you've got to be right with God to get the benefit. When a man's ways please the Lord, maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Okay, just about done here. The preacher, you said that 40 minutes ago. Well, what do you want? Number seven, sadly, realize that many of our family members just won't make it. You want to see something bizarre now? I don't waste your time. You know better than that. Never compare your pastor with an evangelist. We, we got sermons. We tweak them all year round. We only have about a half a dozen sermons. He's coming up with four new ones every week. Is there anything else, preacher? I know I said that when I was here last time. That's one of my best lines. Of course, I can't say that with every preacher. You want to see something strange, though? I got 16 grandkids and one great-grandchild. I don't know, four or five of my grandkids are out in la-la land. Illegitimate children. I hate to say that, but we're all suffering that way in our hearts. Can I show you something beyond bizarre, okay? Can you go to Joshua 2 real quick? Let me see how sharp you are. This is proofreading now. I want you to see something in chapter 2 and then something in chapter 6. Did Rahab make an appeal for her family with, with the spies? She sure did. What did she say in chapter 2? Who did she say she wanted to? Look here. Verse 13. And that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have. Yes? Now go to chapter 6 real quick. We're almost done. And I want you to read verse 23 and tell me who's missing. Who's missing? Who didn't make it? Just look at it. Preacher knows. Huh? Yeah, the sisters were down at the mall somewhere. They didn't take Rahab serious. At least the Holy Spirit left them out for some reason. Kind of like Lot's sons-in-laws. Perished in Sodom. Wife turned back into a pillar of salt. That's a picture of your loved ones that aren't going to make it in. Isn't that sad? Time to think about it now. Preacher, I was preaching over there in, uh, in my first church in Idaho. Built a new building. Walking around one morning, Heritage Baptist Church, strong King James position these days. Brother Haverman from Montana's son is pastoring that church. We started with 14 people in a living room, bought 20 acres of ground, built a 6,000 square foot church building in five and a half months because I had men the size of your pastor all over my church. That's the God's truth. 
Lumberjacks, elk hunters, truck drivers, it was crazy. Baptized 103 people the first year I was there. Wait a minute, that was 1985. No, 1981. I pastored nine years in Michigan, didn't, pa didn't baptize 12 people in nine years. Do you hear what I said? Go look at that painting out there. Closer you get to the shore, the more shallow the water gets. That's a picture of the end of the church age. People throwing everything overboard to keep the ship floating. Closer you get to the shore, the more shallow the water is. Jesus said, launch out into the deep to get a draught. You're not, I preached this sermon in Canada one time in Montreal, and a guy said, a French-Canadian said, I loved your sermon in Acts 27, Pastor, but we must never forget the minnows, amen. That's what we're dealing with now is minnows. 1985, I'm in my brand-new auditorium walking around. Bang! Six o'clock in the morning, ran to the window, car up on the lawn of my church, truck hit the car at the intersection, knocked it up on our church lawn, eight-and-a-half-month pregnant woman driving the car. She's unconscious. Man in the truck's okay. I helped put her body on a stretcher or helped carry the stretcher into the box ambulance. Got a phone call from the hospital 30 minutes later. Reverend, can you come down and help calm down the husband? We got a hold of him, and he's a basket case. I ran down there. There's the woman hooked up to every machine in the world. We've been there before, many of us. Beep, 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 beep. Husband's standing there, sitting on a folding chair. I'm massaging his shoulders. Long story short, they took the baby by C-section. Eight-and-a-half-month-old, red-haired boy. Lived 20 minutes and died. Lost oxygen when she was unconscious. There's the nurse talking to Mr. Fowle, like, file your nails. And I'm rubbing his shoulders. She said, Mr. Fowle, your wife is not going to make it, but she can still hear you. Tell her you love her. You know how they'll do that. He's telling her he loves her, sobbing. It was terrible. I'm a young pastor. Beep, 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 beep. Out she goes into eternity. Now, all you younger people here that think Facebook is where it's at, and you're tempted to just be all excited about how many likes you got for whatever dumb video you posted or some duck pushing a beach ball down the sand at the ocean. You know, you know what I mean. When that baby died, he shot straight up that way. David said, he cannot come to me, but I shall go to be with him when his baby died. But when mother died, a little bit later, she went the other direction. They were Mormons. And if she died believing that garbage, she went the other direction. Sad, sad, sad. You know, I, the family asked me to do the funeral at our church because the accident took place on our lawn. They were newly moved to the area. Can you imagine that? Preaching one of the strangest funerals I ever had. Two dead bodies, one coffin. I don't know if they put the baby in another coffin later, but that baby was in the mother's breast with the lid up. Man, that was a weird funeral. Back to not knowing the Bible yet, but the Lord gave me the text about Saul and Jonathan. They were lovely in their life and in their death. They were not divided. Yeah, but it doesn't end that way because one day at the great white throne judgment, mother's going to come out of, the gray, out, of, out of the fires of hell, stand before the Lord Jesus. And according to a sermon that I heard when I was oh, preached over the radio, Pastor, when I was only saved six months, and I've never heard another preacher preach on it. 1 Corinthians 6.2, Know ye not that the saints shall judge the world. Ye shall judge angels. You ever read that? That boy is going to be standing next to the Lord Jesus, only he's not going to be a little baby. He's going to be probably a 33-year-old male. 
and mother's going to be looking into her son's eyes and she never saw him. She carried him till that wreck. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. And that 33-year-old son's going to say, amen. That's what the tissue boxes are all about in Revelation 21. The time to think about that stuff is now. Who are you thinking about right now? Who's out in left field? If they're not saved, it's going to be a really bad. But they're saved, they're going to die under the rubble if they're not right. You might even die under the rubble if you're right. It's getting ready to get crazy. The time to think about what that pastor's preaching and teaching to you every week is now. You can't fool around anymore. Rahab threw that red cord right out that window as soon as the spy said, when we come back, she wasn't taking any chances. That's how you're supposed to be thinking. Well, I'm all done. Give you the last point. Rahab lost a couple of sisters or more, but she gained a husband. Let me save time, not have you turn to it. You don't go five verses into the New Testament do you see Rahab. She married a guy named, who knows? <laughs> I normally would know it. My brain's gone. Salmon, something like that. She's the great-great-grandmother of David, the king. Not bad for a whore. Rahab the harlot. Direct, descend, direct ancestor of Jesus through the line of Joseph. Not bad for a harlot, huh? Aren't you glad for the great mercy of God? Amen. And by the way, the book of Hebrews shows you that God's a misogynist. You know that. They're all men in there, except two women. Sarah, Abraham's wife, and a gal known as the harlot. She makes it into the book of James, too. What about that? Listen, I'm all done. Let me finish with this. That sermon, and uh, there's two times you can make a congregation feel very wonderful. One, when you put your coat back on, if you've taken it off. They love seeing that. And here's the other one, look. About that time, thousand Bibles shut. Bang! You get the... I'm just cutting up with you. I didn't pick this church for the first church in New York for nothing. I remember how I've been treated here. I'm, I'm excited to be here. So let me, end, let me end with this. Back to the church at... Whoa! Elizabeth... <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> Can I tell you something silly? I was driving to Colorado to go to a funeral, coming through Kansas, 2 o'clock in the morning. I was not going to be going to any of those gas stations. There are two, you know, Boot Hill Cemetery exits. That's a scary place in the middle of the night, Kansas. I'm watching Red Fox on my phone. Stay awake. And it was a scene when they had a, they went to traffic court, and there was a black judge, and Red Fox says, man, there's a brother taking care of us. We're going to, you know, and the guy threw the book at him. Remember that? I'm just watching it while I'm trying, trying to stay awake. And my phone dinged, and it was a text message from a pastor who said, I just sent you $8,000 for your book. But anyway, I'm trying to remember where I was going. Does anybody remember? <laughs> Sanford and Son. Guy I worked with at British Airways, Dennis Curry, spent a whole night with Red Fox at Las Vegas one time. Said he's the filthiest animal he'd ever met. That's another story. Blah, blah, blah. And some of these I make up as I go along, too. <laughs> oh, New Hampshire. I'll, I'll close with this. I'm back at Hookset, New Hampshire, where that grandmom died, 95-year-old lady. I was preaching there in June last year, Sunday through Friday. 
Monday, Sunday morning, two ladies came in, sat to the left here. Catholic woman, Italian lady, Catholic Italian lady who had been saved six weeks ago. She brought a black lady like Rahab in with her. Nobody knew anything about the lady. Nobody knew she was coming to him, sat over here. At the invitation, folks came forward, and both of those ladies came to the altar. We were all wondering about the black gal. Her name was uh, Josie, like Josie Wales. I'll never forget, preacher. She came to the altar. I might have said something like, come on up here and kneel before the Lord, or something like that. I don't know what I said, but that woman, I was there when it happened. I'm watching her. She got to the altar, preacher. Took her about 10 minutes to get down on her knee, kind of. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but it was like she was meeting Queen Elizabeth for real. I'm serious, like this. And just, I could cry every time I tell the story. I remember what it looked like. Just like that. I had the preacher's wife jump there and talk to her. We found out she was saved five days ago. First time she'd ever been in any kind of a church. Real estate appraiser. 32 years old, I think. Sharp as a tack. You know what's wilder than that? They came back Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. But Monday night, we ha I had to ask her a question. She was bubbly. I know she's a good lady because she bought two of my books. Say amen right there. I tried to refuse the check. I didn't really refuse that hard, but I tried. <laughs> no, she had some money. She's a professional lady. But all that to say this, Sunday morning she was decked out in black. Not gothic black, but plenty of black. Stood out black. Monday night she's back dressed normal. I couldn't help it. I just asked her. I said, Josie, you looked very strange there yesterday morning. Just all that black. Was there any, you know, what's the deal? You know what that woman said to me with a straight face? I mean, as straight as an arrow face. She said, well, I figured I had died five days earlier. Figured that was the way to dress. I don't think she read Romans 6, 7, and 8 yet. That's a pretty big fish came in that shallow water that day. That was in June. A couple months ago, two months, a month ago. I talked to the preacher. I sent him a text. How's Josie doing? I said. You know what he said? Driving me crazy. With questions. Marking up her Bible. And she's even writing gospel tracts out. Amen. Sometimes they get in, don't they? But not often. Let's bow our heads for the for prayer. And could we stand for a moment? Maybe I can have a piano player up here for a moment. I'm all done. I got to run up to Tonawanda after fellowshipping a little bit with the preacher. I'm so glad to be here. And I'm I'm milking this tired stuff just to be funny to you. I'm alert enough to know what God's trying to do this morning. There's people all over this room that needed what I said this morning. Well, the music's already playing. Why don't you come on down if the Lord spoke to you? Then I didn't even get a chance to give you a formal invitation. I mean, come on down if the Lord put somebody on your heart and your family. Come on down if you've been apprehensive before you walked in the building. Don't feel ashamed of that. Come on down if the Lord lifted a little bit of a fear and a load on your heart and you'd like to thank Him for it this morning. Come on. Come on down. Come on now, you Ruckmanites. I heard Dr. Ruckman say the biggest burden of his, one of his biggest burdens is how few people ever use the altar after his sermons. I've heard him say that many times. Come on, Christian. This is no museum here. It's a hospital. We're all messed up here. Did God speak to you this morning? If he didn't speak to you enough to get you to an altar, you ought to come down here and complain about it. 
Come on, Lord, how come you didn't speak to my heart? Now let me ask you a question. He may be saved down here, but he ain't ne- you ain't necessarily safe down here. Anything on your heart now the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about right now that might prevent Him from helping you get through what's coming? Is He speaking to you about something? You better come on down and talk to Him about it. I mean, this is a time to be serious, right? Look at Rahab throwing that cord out that window. This is no time to be business as usual. You don't have that much time. It's going to be, it's going to be over pretty soon. Come on, it's a good church. I love being here. But I always feel like everybody ought to have something God spoke to them about. I'm the guy with three, two and a half hours sleep. And I'm all psyched up about what's going on. You should be too. God bless these many that have come. Anybody out there say, Preacher, I'm like that preacher's son in those last two churches you were at that got saved. I don't know that I'm saved. And I think I need to get serious. I don't think I have the fear of God in my heart like I need to. Those babies having their throats cut made me think. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Is that you this morning? Why don't you come up here and straighten it out with the Lord if you need to be saved. Got a wonderful pastor here and a wonderful church to ride this crazy thing out. But please get behind your pastor. Please get behind him. Hey, listen, you know how crazy things are right now? Preacher, I just preached last June in Los Angeles for a King James only, strong pro-Ruckman type guy. Five children in his family. Twelve years in Air Force Intelligence. Four years in the NSA. Speaks fluent Persian. His wife speaks fluent Vietnamese. Just preach for him. Met a, asked a preacher the other day from Las Vegas who introduced, introduced me to him. How's Pastor so-and-so doing? Oh, he's shacked up with a 22-year-old sodomite right, right now. Trying to get custody of his five kids. Drag them into that homosexual relationship. How do you explain crazy stuff like that? I don't know. We're at the end. The ship's busting up. That's how you explain it. Please be as serious as you can be with the time that you have left. Preacher, would you come? Many have come to the altar. God's dealing with you. You can come. If you have loved ones who don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, what has to be said to you for you to see the seriousness of what we're going into? I had to tell somebody this week, the rapture doesn't help America escape the judgment that we deserve. As I said earlier in this message, if judgment begins at the house of God, what will be there for the unbelievers? What will it be? If you're here this morning and you're not sure if you would die that heaven would be your home, I'll be standing in the back. You didn't come forward now, but you were afraid, whatever it might be. You come to me and I'll have someone take a Bible and show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. How you can know what it means to have sins forgiven and know that you have a home in heaven. Most important decision any person ever makes. What will you do with Jesus? But if you're here and you've got loved ones and they don't know, if you continue making it about you, and not about Jesus Christ, they never will know. We need to have him high and lifted up.
God speaking to your heart. If you saw a face as the man was preaching, I did. And it's someone I, like I said, I'm in the morning, in the Sunday school hour, I said, my brother. First time I preached or spoke to him about his salvation, he ran back stronger to Catholicism. He's a communicant. If you know, you have to be a Catholic to know what I'm talking about in a Catholic church. He takes care of when they take the devil's cup. He needs Jesus Christ. He just had bypass surgery three weeks ago. Seven of them. That's a brand for the burning. Do you have some in your life? Are we going to pay attention to that? Because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the man of God, for the message of God. I pray, Father, that you would just speak to our hearts continually with it. And Father, I pray now that you would bless this offering that we'll be taking up in a moment. Lord, for the preacher, Lord, you protect him as he travels around trying to wake up churches, believers, the necessity, Father, of seeing people as our Lord sees them, either his child or those condemned. Work in our hearts, Father, and we'll thank you for this message this morning. We pray that as we go our several ways, as we leave this church building, help us to know we're going into a lost and dying world without the Savior. Work in our hearts and help us, Father, to take the message that our Savior gave us, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.